up? Welcome to another episode of Movie Schmovie, episode number 249. Uh, and for those keeping count, this will be two weeks in a row that we have a podcast coming out. And by we, uh-huh. I mean I mean myself, I'm Steve, and, and who else is here with me right now? I'm Ron. And I'm John. And uh, yeah, and we make up Movie Schmovie, and we're pretty proud. I, I, I'm speaking for you guys without even asking you this, but I'm pretty proud that we did this two weeks in a row. And yeah, then this will come proud. out two weeks in a row. Like, this is... Uh, this home isolation is maybe what what uh, not not in this circumstance obviously, but maybe this is what we needed to like force us to do something weekly. Oh yeah, man! I think that whatever happens with COVID nineteen, if movie schmovie gets on a more regular <laughs> schedule, people will have to see it as kind of a win, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at the bright side, and that's probably the brightest of all of the sides, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, but it is true that I think. I don't know when the last time we may have had an episode that followed another one. I think sometimes we do that. We kind of cluster them. But, you know, that's it's it's almost unthinkable now that back in the day, this was a weekly podcast. Like when I jumped on, yeah, I, think it was, I think it was weekly. And we kept that going for a pretty good while. So We did. Um, yeah, we'll see how long how long we keep this this trend up right now. Yeah, life, life was a simpler time back then. It was. It really was. And, and just in general, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> I think I think yeah. back to all the important things that I mean I, I don't know I can't speak for both you guys but I mean I know even just me like it was like the responsibility was just like a different world then and I was like yeah it let's was, get together man. and record all the podcasts Ronald <laughs> let's just record them all yeah. let's talk about every single let, let's do an episode for every single movie we see and I was like oh yeah that's definitely doable yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like now it's like we got to like scrape and figure out what can we all see or what have we all seen. There's something about being weekly that means you just say, okay, what's on our minds right now? This is this week's episode. The next one is coming soon, so we don't have to think too much about it. I think now with not doing them as often, it's almost like you need a better reason to do an episode than just we saw some random new movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. The cool thing about this is I do remember standing in the same spot last week when we were talking about this, and I told Steve that I was going to do my homework and I was going to be a good little boy. And so I watched uh, The Invisible Man and I watched The Way Back and I watched The Hunt. And um, I just want to say, I hope all the students in the class did their homework this week because I can't wait to have a group discussion about these three uh, video-on-demand <laughs> films. I don't think there's anything that can knock me off course from my dream right now. I, I have no doubt that everybody's prepared. There's no question in my mind. Right, right. Wait, is, is that is that not the case? What what's wrong? That's that's not the case, man. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I failed, man. I I this is so crazy. I got super sick last week. <laughs> so I got sick as fuck, and it wasn't related to COVID nineteen. And uh, I I kind of just stopped committing to the idea of watching movies. I just uh, sat down and, and created a bunch of stuff. I was like, if this is going to be my last week alive, <laughs> I'm going to create something cool. Uh, so, You're talking yeah. about your little, uh, the, those um, Who is Ron James uh, video clips you've been, been dropping yeah, this I've week? Been doing these, I've been doing these things called Quarantine Dream, which is basically, I've never done anything video-wise, like video editing. So I decided to get into Adobe Premiere and start making stuff that was just like these little pieces of positivity that I, I you know, my friends could carry around with them because it's, it's a hard time for everybody everybody's kind of dealing with this stuff very differently um but but i think the one thing that's come out of it is uh 
kind of everybody abandoning their sense of self-importance and getting to what it is that really matters and that's human interaction and looking out for people i've been getting texts from people i never thought i'd hear from and messages from people i thought i'd never hear from just checking in on me which is pretty cool so so are you putting those out on instagram or twitter i can't remember where it was that i saw so um right now they're on facebook and um uh instagram yeah so instagram.com slash who is ron james and facebook.com slash who is ron james and that's just like a who is ron james is basically this whole one-stop shop for everything creative that i'm doing um so i don't know that's what i've been doing lately but i did miss the movies and i'm super interested to hear what you guys think because that'll (laughs) make me go see them or not go see them and then spread the word so you mean like go to the other room and go see them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go to my fiance and say, "Hey, you know what John and fucking Steve said to see?" <laughs> so that's gonna be cool. So you can't you can't leave us hanging like with that handle. Like I, I gotta ask, like who is Ron James? I don't know, man. That's that's what I'm trying to figure out. I think discovering that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you're so you're thing. figuring it out. You're figuring it out. <laughs> Absolutely. I have no idea. <laughs> He's asking us, actually. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, oh, yeah, oh we yeah. have to answer it. Oh, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. I misread that. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, re- he really would like to know. <laughs> <laughs> Please. I'm losing track of time. <laughs> I cannot, In fact, I cannot it, measure time anymore. If somebody could just send in an answer, he could shut this whole thing down. He doesn't need it. <laughs> you know, he doesn't right. need an Instagram. <clears throat> Man, Aaron woke up like, three o'clock today and she was like oh man it's crazy it's monday morning i'm like aaron it is it is three o'clock on a sunday <laughs> she's like oh god <laughs> oh god <laughs> it's weird man. that's hilarious you mean in the afternoon she woke up at three <laughs> yeah in the afternoon okay wow so what happened <laughs> yeah. for her to lose some time did she just I, it's been a blur I, for me lately too but i don't know if i've missed yeah, an entire I half think a day it's just, yeah i think it's just like she's a she's a manager in a space where she can't manage quite as you know as hands-on and you know she'll do her work and we we walk around a little bit and 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 i you get kind of that routine has kind of turned into really losing track of large chunks of time it's a little weird man. right right it sounds like a bad thing, but it actually really isn't as bad as it sounds. But because it's all like, you know, we'll be okay in the end. <laughs> you know, it's, well, it's, I think the whole thing of losing track of time, it makes you realize how much that normally that's, that hyper-awareness of time is based on these these tangible parts of a routine that when they start to go away, it really is. It's interesting how much it doesn't really matter if it's Saturday or Thursday. Um, if everybody's working from home, I know not everybody out there is a lot of people are still reporting to their jobs and some people have no choice, but, um, uh, you know, for a lot of folks that are sitting at home, it is kind of a new thing. Once you get into week two, three of that, you sort of think you would start to develop new routines, but it's more like you just get further and further away from any sense of routine. Um, or at least that's what's happened around here. We just, you know, I, I feel like I'm sleeping odd hours and doing odd things and, and 
and we're in the same shirt for a couple of days in a row. And you know, it's, it, time, time is starting to blur just a little bit. I have, I have been, I have been somewhat productive and I've, I've kept up with things, but I, I do feel like I've, I've literally like two or three times within the same day, I have forgotten what day it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is nuts. It, and I'm glad that I'm hearing more people being more honest about that. Cause some, it felt like at first everybody was like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. I'm just moving through the time. Nah, man, people are being pretty honest about it now. They're like, you look, this, this shit is weird. It's super weird. <laughs> <laughs> A part of me kind of likes the slow down simplicity of it. I know it's for really grim reasons. And again, I wouldn't want to make light of it, but I do think when we are forced to simplify, it reminds me of how on a snow day, I sometimes like the feeling that everybody got the same notice, you know, that yes. said, slow down today, stop, you can't do your normal thing. Um, I kind of like that. I like that sort of shared human experience, even if, like I said, this is obviously uh, some total, this is a very horrifying thing that's happening. But um, I do think within it, you can find a certain peace in in knowing that you know you and your people are under the same roof and you kind of have eyes on each other and and you can be together there is there's something about that quantity time that i i think is special it is it is truly how about you steve just working man Uh, i am working from home you know like same schedule and still pretty busy and you know on our breaks or at the end of the day just like trying to get out and walk around the neighborhood there's like a trail down the road from us like in the We've been walking a couple times a week just trying to get out and see things. And even for my daughter, like who, you know, my mom still comes over and watches her. So my mom is like the the extent of like other people that we're regularly seeing pretty much. Like, you know, that's pretty much how we've controlled it. But <clears throat> just kind of going out and trying to do stuff with Sydney still and just keep hers engaged. I mean, she doesn't really understand what's going on, obviously, but um just try to make it as like normal of a day for her and we usually kind of go out and do all that stuff so it's been healthy for aaron and i too just to kind of go out and get away from our house for a little bit because you get little cabin fever i get cabin fever regardless but i mean it's just (laughs) like you know when you're working from home on top of it you know like that just it's exponentially like important at least for us to be like even if we just go in the backyard and like push her on the swing or kick a soccer ball around with her like it's just it's like a complete mental reset for me at least. And that's kind of what even, you know, keep, keeps it going or keeps some sort of sanity. But I don't know. I feel like overall, like we've been pretty well adjusted to this. I mean, I, I definitely feel for some friends and family of mine I've spoken to who have like just really have been challenged with like being home all day and like, you know, um, you know, they have to watch kids or, you know, I don't know. I just feel like it's been a, a pretty, I don't know, uh, best case scenario for us, maybe. I mean, I don't want to sound like selfish or anything, but I'm thankful that like we have a good setup for to be able to work from home and that my mom can still watch Sydney so that it's not, we're not completely disrupted. But I mean, it has been an adjustment for sure. Trying to like stay in the house and we basically haven't gone out much at all, except to maybe get the grocery store and maybe take out once just to kind of mix up, not making every single fucking meal. <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah. yep you know that, that that's been the big like that's been the big like uh treat yourself moment for us it's like you know what we're gonna get curbside takeout tonight and i don't fucking care like you know what i mean like that that, 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 that that's the uh that's the extent of our um rebelliousness during something that we've been really responsible about so um yeah i don't know we've been doing pretty good thankfully but uh and everybody's happy and healthy so that's 
that's a win so far for uh for, for us over here yeah, and I feel for anybody who is truly isolated, anybody that is alone and has to stay alone and doesn't have people around them that yeah. uh, they can see. So if you are out there and, and you are truly isolated, hopefully the next uh, hour or so of, of your time will be enjoyable. Hopefully we're contributing to that. Because I, I do think that, you know, you hear stories about all kinds of different things people have going on in their lives that being isolated can exacerbate. Yeah. Right. Oh, geez, I didn't think about that. Do you have any sense of faith that once this thing clears, it's going to truly be cleared? I just feel like we're now suddenly alive to this idea of... Uh, of pandemic, you know, and it's going to change, it's going to change things forever. I think so. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it's weird. Like I, you know, there's, I have a CVS around the corner from me. I'm like in the heart of the city, like downtown Baltimore. And I heard this guy say, now they're telling me, well, I got to wash my hands every time I got to, I'm walking around. I'm like, man, man you should have been doing that forever. Like you, this is like so weird that people are getting real familiar with this regular, Hygiene so true. stuff. So true. It's weird, man. Like, this guy was really mad. He's like, I gotta wash my hands all the time. <laughs> well, you guys have both been in a men's room. You've seen how bad it is out there. There's a lot of guys that, that don't even look at the sink when they're walking out yeah. of the uh, public restroom. Oh, God. Um, yeah. And then some people go up and they, like, flick their fingers under the water, and then they put their hands in their hair, and that's what that's all they do. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad it's bad it is bad but um well one thing we didn't mention because it's not a movie but i i have been wondering what you guys have thought of this new phenomenon that is sort of what everybody's talking about but has has everybody caught up with tiger king have you watched that at least ronald or no yes yes i have so you have seen tiger king okay and you've seen tiger king right steve yes yeah okay well so let's talk a little bit about that phenomenon and i guess i'll open up just by saying i think like I've seen some people that don't want to watch this show because they feel like they've seen too many reality shows that stretch a story out or that mm -hmm. ultimately feel like they're sort of mean spirited or like or shooting fish in a barrel by picking some of these oddballs, you know, that these documentary series are made about. Um, or right. like we've said about making a murderer, that there's just not that much story there for the amount of show that there is. And I've, I've wanted to say to every one of these people, no, trust me, this one is full of memorable characters. <laughs> Yeah. Um, a lot of these people want to be famous, so you don't feel that bad about watching them. <clears throat> about watching them, and then the other thing is, I really do think there is enough story here. Even though I think the way it's told from a timeline standpoint, there were a few episodes where it was a little murky where we were in the timeline. But outside of that, I think that I was pretty entertained throughout seven episodes of uh, of Tiger King. What did you guys think of it? So, you know, I, I have a love hate relationship with Netflix, and sometimes I think that. <laughs> The fact that people kind of <laughs> gravitate to things that are kind of just sitting in their lap and they don't really go outside of that can be a little annoying, right? But this is one of those things that delivers on shock value, entertainment. Um, it is probably one of the most quotable, memeable things I've seen in years. The characters on both sides are entertaining. Um, even when they try to balance out who you should like, who you shouldn't like. I mean, it's very apparent who the enemy is in a lot of ways. Um, who, 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 who is the perceived enemy in a lot of ways? But still, it's, it's a crazy story and so full of craziness that, um, you know, I've kind of read some articles on it. I remember uh, my fiance told me about it quite some time ago, and she would tell me things, and it sounded so crazy because she was listening to the podcast that kind of inspired this documentary that I was... 
I couldn't believe it, but seeing footage of it, you can't, you can't make it up, man. Yeah, the podcast was was a season of the show Over My Dead Body, which is on the Wondery Network, and I think they have since repackaged it as just Joe Exotic, and it's out on its own uh, yeah. shingle. Yeah. You have like what the, the story the podcast told, plus what this documentary and whoever it was that made this Netflix show, what, what they were able to capture. I was pretty amazed at how much of what we were seeing talked about was actually captured on film. It's one of those occasions where the story <laughs> of, of these characters unfolded largely on camera. Did that not kind of blow you away, Steve, how much of you were seeing with your own two eyes, not just hearing someone's point of view? Yeah, it was, it was amazing. I mean, and that's kind of like... I think what makes it so unique is that, like, you know... I, I honestly think it's one of the better... If not one of the best docu series that Netflix has put out, I mean, like I, I put it up there with Making a Murder personally, but I think the the unique part of it is not just the characters, like Ronald was saying, and their just need to want to be known or you know whatever the cause is, but like, yeah, that element of the of the show is 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 the unique like that's the wild card of the show is just that you you are getting this like two layered level of access to. You know, a producer who was on site filming basic, well, actually three levels, really, because like Joe's crew basically filmed everything and then, you know, of their on their own, you know, time. Um, and then the, the guy that comes in who was, what was he going, like Inside Edition or he was some sort of producer on one of those nightly uh, news shows that came in to be like a producer for a reality series that they were going to be pitching and then you have the documentarian's footage that he's shooting. It's, it's just kind of crazy how <laughs> much is. video footage that every time they make a sentence about anything, immediately in that moment or right after, you're watching video footage of it happening. Yeah. And throughout, you're seeing both the world that Joe Exotic is trying to present through being filmed, and you're catching a glimpse of something he probably didn't want to present. Oh, totally. Through being yeah. filmed. But he's but it's but it's all happening, you know. Yeah, it's insane. Like just that that. That multi-dimensional experience of like, yeah, what you're saying, like, you know, what 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 he is like cutting a take of his own and like, you know, somebody's filming him do that. But you're also seeing the final product of what he's put out on his like YouTube channel, like in those moments <laughs> or those music videos or whatever they were like. That's just un that's just I don't know. You don't you don't see that. um very often in these docuseries, like the, the footage in the moment and and that many different levels of it. But I think the real, you know, it's just that that idea that like whatever the story is that we're we're learning or that we're gonna going through 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 this Netflix series, it's just it's crazy that every I, I caught myself multiple times just being like, I can't believe they have footage of that, or just like <laughs> right. I can't believe, I can't believe that like that they're telling me about this as they're showing me, and, and it's not like a recreation like you find so many times now in these docu-series, you know, where there's a mixture of archival footage and a mixture of, like, recreation, you know, that's that's filmed for the series. But there's, like, literally, like, I don't think... There's none of that, really, in any of this show. And no. it's because, like, the people are really there. It's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and it's the entire absurd. time, it's like... In, and in the entire time, you're just... You know, and like I mentioned last week, like, I, I, we were, like, halfway through it when we recorded last time. But, like... Not knowing the story, really. I feel like I did hear about that podcast, but I never listened to it. You know, the whole time, just being completely absorbed into knowing what what was going to happen. or And I found myself, like, not wanting to read about anything in case 
some kind of like crazy twist happens and there's a number of them in the series but like it's that level of like ac- ac- um, access that they had that I would be I would not have been shocked if like something insane happened in the show that happened in real life that I did not know but that they had footage of yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. I'm not going to lie to you like I don't know anything about Carol Baskin I don't know you know I didn't know much about this story but I definitely found myself like two times in the series being like Oh my god! Like, does he actually kill her? Because they do like this. They do this really like <laughs> this th- this threading through the whole show. Where like you don't really see like what put him in prison. Really, like you don't get the details of it. Which you know th- that's a good call. Like until the end of the series. But like, there's such these like ominous voiceover tracks of him on prison phone calls where. You know, I'm. I don't know. There was a couple times where I turned to Aaron and I was like, "Oh my god! Like, is this gonna end with like that he actually did kill her?" And I found myself like not wanting to listen or read anything about it until I finished it. Um, and you know, and and by the end, I wasn't thinking that even before they revealed like what the ending of this story is. But I don't know, just the way they told the story, like in those like three, four, five episode markers, like I just was like really, really just hooked, and I needed to know. Like, what happened and what the next crazy fucking point was in this story because it just kept getting more and more crazy. Yeah. Even knowing it from the podcast, seeing it was different. And it, it, the order in which they laid things out, like I said, a little bit convoluted. I think if there's anything that features that sort of the kind of downside of these Netflix docuseries that you're kind of alluding to, Ronald, where you just question how the information is being put together or you question yeah, what the yeah, agenda absolutely. of the movie makers is or you question how much of the truth they're actually conveying. There's there's just a little bit of stretching and squashing of the timeline and then a few things where in that last episode you see a few clips that feel like if they had been integrated with the story as it was going along, you might have understood yeah, yeah, it more. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know yeah. if I fully understand what really happened happened um, with the circumstances that got him put in prison. It certainly seems that he was potentially set up, but it also seems like he was willingly involving himself in criminal activity. So I don't know about that. Is that entrapment? The other players in this story have not yet seen their comeuppance and that this documentary seems like it's telling you that there is the possibility of that. But it does sort of, it is a little ambiguous and I think there are some moments where they almost trick us with the filmmaking to to save some of those surprises. But that being said, the actual story of Joe Exotic, this uh, guy who runs a, a big uh, cat, well, he just runs a zoo, but like specifically yeah. the, uh, the name Tiger King comes from how many tigers he has. And he <laughs> gets into all this unethical behavior around around exotic animals. And I've seen a lot of people saying they don't want to watch the show because they are afraid of the animal cruelty. Uh, It is happening around the edges of this show. It is mercifully not depicted uh, very closely. I would say that that uh, show, uh, Don't Fuck With Cats, was more upsetting than this one in terms of what you see. However, um, I I think the overarching effect of this one uh, when you get to the very end, it, it's upsetting to think about, as it always is, to think about the situation that animals are in, <laughs> in a world where humans uh, are, are at the top of the pyramid, you know? It's like, okay, well, we're running things, so we can cage you, we can kill you, we can eat you, we can... Um, animals are pretty fucked. Yeah. 
So the notion that there's more animals living in captivity in the United States, more tigers specifically, than there are in the wild at this point, is wild. I mean, that is that is bizarre. That was news to me, and that, that really kind of threw me for a loop. But clearly these animals aren't being treated well across the board. So I don't know if, if you guys found that part of it upsetting or just sort of part of the the craziness, but it is it is insane to me that there's this world within the world it, that I don't really know anything about, these these private zoos. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's insane, man. The, the first thing I, I wondered, I mean, I wondered throughout the whole series is where the hell are they getting all this money? I understand that, like, people are independently wealthy, but the amount of money that that lady was spending to get this man in trouble... Yeah. What? She was sitting on like a million dollars to like take care of this. It just was very exhausting watching how much money was being thrown around. It's a little insane. Well, when you get to the end, you realize that a lot of these folks don't necessarily have the money that it seems like they do. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I agree with you. It's another one of those things that just seem imaginary. Like, how does this happen? How are they making enough to keep it running? (laughs) So the game everyone seems to be playing, though, is when they make the movie of this or they make the show of this, who should be playing these characters. And I have to say, I don't always like that sort of meme when it's just so widespread. I don't get that invested in it. But I was playing that game when I was just watching the show before I saw anyone saying that online. And I was wondering, do you guys have any thoughts about... I mean, I don't even know how you present this material in a way that would be anywhere near as good. So I'm not even suggesting they should do a show. But if they do a season of American Crime Story or whatever that show's called... um, Yeah. About this, uh, who should play Joe Exotic? Who should play some of these characters? (laughs) Danny McBride, of course, should play... The Tiger King, to me, but that's that. that I, don't I kept know. thinking about him. You don't think so? I, I, don't, I don't really see Aaron, him. Aaron said the same thing, Ronald. I don't. I, I can't see it. I think just the personality of like just the just, just the over the topness of Danny McBride probably <laughs> pairs well, but like the actual like physical physical presence, I, I, like I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it. But uh, I, I respect. I respect that choice. He could play the dude Doc Antle. He could. He could play him too. Picture him with a long ponytail and no facial hair. Um, the only only one that, that I kept seeing, just because I think that this person with like a really bad tan and the cap and the Ed Hardy shit and all that stuff, but I think Tim Robbins could play that Jeff Lowe guy. Uh, really, really funny. Um, I actually saw t- I saw Tim Robbins listed as Doc Antill. That would be good too. Actually, I just feel, yeah. I just feel like that guy to me feels a little stocky, and and Tim Robbins is always going to seem yeah. lanky, but. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that anybody has the physicality and the style of uh, of uh, 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 Joe Exotic. He's such an odd bird. But I th- I kept thinking McConaughey could probably do something cool, uh, <laughs> given that character. Yeah. But we we <laughs> also kind of know what he would do. We kind of know what it would be. So and I always think Sam Rockwell should be in everything. What who should he be? Sam Rockwell's got to be in there somewhere. He could be somebody. I'm sure he could play a grotesque. I would. I was, uh, I, I think uh, somebody, I, well, actually he retweeted it himself, but somebody photoshopped uh, Dak Shepard as Joe Exotic. And uh, oh, I think actually, okay. I think, I think, I think he's like perfect. He He's a little young looking, but I mean, if he was like skinnier or lost some weight and like kind of <laughs> leaned out because he's tall and he's like, yeah. he's played a few of those, uh, you know, those characters before, uh, <laughs> but it was pretty. It, you guys should find that photo of him uh, photoshopped as Joe Exotic with the tiger on Twitter. It's it's pretty hilarious. 
But I, I'd like to see. I, I would. I would buy a ticket to that. I've heard him mentioned too, and I feel like he to me is like Danny McBride. I think he could nail the vibe, but I don't know if it's still. Yeah, unfortunately, the, the Schmovie Studios uh, biopic of Joe Exotic is as yet uh, uncast in terms of its lead role. We don't know. <laughs> well, we postponed. <laughs> we, we've uh, yeah, we postponed all production currently. So our th- our yeah. th- we've got we've got one vote for McConaughey, one vote for uh, McBride, and one vote for <laughs> Shepard. Um, maybe if we digitally combine those three actors into that's a composite probably the and we do it, we do it all mocap. That could work. No, I mean, I, 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 this show is like one of those, it's, it's crazy that it's like happening now, but like, and at a time when everyone's home watching TV and this, in this thing that we're all going through together. But I mean, like a show like this is the show that just ignites like a fire on Netflix and like everybody, literally everybody and their mother and by everybody and their mother, I mean me and my mother have been talking about (laughs) Tiger King like this whole week. Like she's, she, she binged it in like two nights and like, it's just funny that you can like gauge certain shows and like how they're caught on and uh, just like with the person that mentions it to you, like, Hey, have you seen this show on Netflix? I'm like, Oh, wow. That show must like that's the show right now. Like I and that's obvious yeah. with this title. But I mean like literally everybody like FaceTiming with friends of mine across the country just checking in over the last week. And I think that's the that's the common denominator of every conversation I've had is they're like, Hey, have you seen this? What did you think of it? And you can talk to everybody about it because they've like already watched the whole series. It's it's wild. It is, man. So you did you, you did watch that, Ronald, right? You finished that whole thing. I did. I did. Okay. I okay. managed to watch it, man. I I it was the one of the craziest things I've ever seen. It's having like yeah, a peak VOD moment, right? Like this is a moment where oh, everybody's yeah. at home and we're all looking oh, for God, something yeah. new. And, yeah. and here is this show that is addictive and you kind of burn through it quickly. That's the only problem with it. But um, yeah. it is fun to have that binge. Like I, my wife and I always have at least one show that we're kind of seeking to watch together. Uh, recently it was The Outsider. That was a, that was cool, but that was you had to wait for it. Um, last year at a certain point it was Schitt's Creek, but, um, right now it's Ozark. We just started Ozark. I'm about halfway into the uh, first season of that and I'm enjoying that. I've heard season two is not as good and I'm not, I wish I didn't know that because I kind of was hoping (laughs) it was was just good throughout, but everyone's saying season three is better than two. So I guess I'll just keep barreling through, but I love it in terms of the acting. I think Jason Bateman and Laura Linney are fantastic. And I see a lot of touches and, and character actors popping up that are that were on The Outsider, <clears throat> The Outsider on HBO, yeah. which it seems like maybe that's part of Bateman's uh, production company or people that he's worked with that he's brought in, but he had a hand in producing both shows. So um, I'm kind of seeing his cinematic style yeah. uh, emerge in my head, and I like it a lot. I like I like what he's doing on on this show so far. Five episodes in to Ozark, it's um, it's interesting. It's kind of positioned between Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, almost. This is, it's almost like this character is sort of a, an amalgam of uh, of Jimmy McGill and Walter White to me in terms of what 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 this person's gifts are and how likely they are to outsmart people or just not. Right, right. You know, I, this is a this is a sweatier show. This is like a more miserable sort of show. But um, also, I like seeing Laura Linney get this kind of character to play. She's more interesting than the than the quote unquote wife character often is on this type of. Um, anti-hero show yeah it's yeah it's it's it gets really i mean you're look you're in for a treat i mean i i i too probably did 
think that season two is not as strong as one. I mean, that's pretty unanimous, but I, I still thought season two was really good. I still thought it was really good. And um, I'm about halfway through season three, and it's excellent. I'm super into it. So um, I'll keep you posted, but hopefully you can catch up and finish it soon. Well, maybe if we talk in a week or so, we'll have seen every yeah. episode, because that's all people do now, <laughs> is they, yeah. uh, they watch Ryan, television watch and they podcast are? about it. <laughs> Um, I watched the first season and, um, I was thinking about skipping the second season and watching a summary or something and getting into the third. Oh, a recap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A recap. Um, it's actually what I did with, uh, Game of Thrones. I watched Game of Thrones all the way through and then like I had up till six and then I needed a recap of each season and then I went and watched them, uh, the, the, the seven and eight, uh, after that. Um, but yeah, it's it, it. I really liked the first season. Um, I kind of missed the second. It wasn't promoted very well either. It's weird, man. Like stuff gets kind of lost in Netflix sometimes when it premieres. You see it up in the first week, and then it just kind of gets eaten in their algorithm, and I, I never see it again. So I, I, out of sight, out of mind. So that brings up a good point. Actually, I wanted to mention this. I, I meant to ask last time, but it'd be more appropriate now since we're talking so much about Tiger King. Sure. Have you guys paid much attention to the new feature on Netflix where they show the top ten uh, for like your country, like when you're in the interface? Yeah. No. I mean, I have. I've, I've noticed that. I've looked at it. No, no, I haven't noticed it. It's a. It's a really. I think it's really cool. Um. I mean, obviously, you know, like you said at the beginning of the episode, you have a. Uh, love-hate relationship with Netflix, and I generally love Netflix, and I think, I think it's a really interesting. Like you know, they've been criticized for, you know, and justifiably so, like not disclosing a lot of things about how well shows do, or like the metrics that they use to count a show as a watch or whatever. And I'm sure that folds into how they're ranking these movies or these shows or whatever. Uh, the, you know, all the content that can fall into the top ten. But it's interesting because. Like it depends on what your algorithm is showing you, but you will see the little badge when any title that is in the top ten. Like if you kind of scroll through the interface and like you come across Tiger King or you come across Ozark, like something that you know is a hot title. If you want to just see what I'm talking about, you can see like that it has like the little badge on it that's in, it, it's in the top ten list. And if you select it, it shows you what number it is. But like on mine, like on my interface, on my smart TV or my Roku, even on the app on my iPad. You know how you have the different rows of all the content? Like, they actually have a top 10 row where, like, you can see, you know, just what the most watched titles are at any given moment. And it's kind of interesting because I've been really, like, intrigued into seeing what these titles are, especially in a time like this where literally everybody's home, not just people that are home watching Netflix normally, like, that are normally finding Netflix, but I think more people are finding it now because they're home and, you know, not going out to the movies or whatever it might be. And the, the variety of what is in that top 10 is pretty wild. Like, if you take a look at it, um, you know, like, Tiger King's been number one for, like, the past, like, two weeks, I think. But, you know, like, obviously Ozark's in there and, like, that show Love is Blind, <clears throat> which is, like, a reality show. And But there's this title that I haven't watched yet, but I really want to see called The Platform, which is, mm. you know, apparently, like, a really kind of crazy... Uh, like dystopian, like kind of not sci-fi from my understanding, but just like almost a horror movie. Um, oh, okay. I think it's a foreign language film. I'm pretty sure. Um, but that's like been at number four or five for the past week. Um, and 
that kind of surprises me. It's it, it's kind of like an interesting litmus of like what people not only are watching, but the kind of content that they're finding on Netflix. Like right, there's a lot yeah. of reality based stuff. There's a lot of like horror genre based stuff. There's a lot of these docu series, but. If you haven't looked at it yet or aren't aware of it, I would be curious. Like, if you kind of spot check that every once in a while and see, you know, if anything that you're watching is 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 in that top ten, and if not, like, just look at the row and see. Like, on any given day, it changes. I think, but mm. it's like a pretty wild just peek into the variety of people, the variety of types of shows or or, or movies or whatever that people, you know, watch. You know, not only when they're just randomly watching Netflix, but like when they're in a situation like this where they're probably really finding a lot of content on Netflix that maybe they wouldn't normally watch because so many people, you know, are home now watching it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't know if you'd seen that feature. Like it, it's kind of been piquing my interest recently. Kind of every other day I like look at it and see like like they dr- they put like they've had Outbreak on Netflix for a while. But of course, like last week, it's like number six in the top ten. You know the the like movie from the '90s about the the global pandemic, and obviously that's timely, duh. But I mean, like it's interesting to see movies and shows kind of pop in and out of that whatever that metric that they're measuring it with, um, because it kind of is not only suggesting these titles to you, but it's kind of showing you the variety of stuff that you know people are finding interesting or that people are talking about at least. What it struck me uh, as similar to Steve was just like. The way Top 40 Radio used to be when I was a kid, where it wasn't so genre, it wasn't like, it wasn't so granular what what chart you were listening to or what kind of music you were listening to. So you would hear kind of like a country song next to a, an R&B song next to a disco song next to a pop song, you know, and it would just be like, this is Top 40 Radio. This is what people are listening to. It's an interesting little cross section, but I, I still find Netflix sometimes needlessly arcane when it comes to just trying to get to something, especially something new that just came out. Sometimes it'll shock me what's not just presented front and center on the on the landing page when you go in. Um, when you have to search for something that just dropped a new season, you know, that's crazy. It is. Right. Tiger right. King has like 20 covers, man. I, I, every time I go on Netflix, there's a new cover for Tiger King. I think it's kind of cool because they, they grab my attention. And, and I don't, so yeah. that was like this real stylized one that was like, had like a purple tint to it. With his face? Yeah, with his face. Then I saw one for like yeah. a, a drawing from a courtroom. I, I keep seeing a different one every time I, I log in. It's kind of crazy. No, they they do that with the title cards a lot on Netflix. They'll They'll put a different title card up. And for a split second, it makes me think oh i knew something for this is up yeah. but then you realize no it's just them grabbing you one last thing about uh tiger king before we leave it have you guys heard the sort of follow-up story that that's not his voice i on, heard uh, that. songs yeah, yeah and and i would true? say if you if you sing or if you listen to people's voices and you know about singing yeah. you were thinking that throughout that i was listening to his voice going he's got a little too rich and robust of a voice for that to be auto-tuned and there's no way that guy who talks like this you know, it's up here in his voice, up here. There's no way that guy sings in that rich under, you know, there's just no way. So to me, I was thinking maybe this is auto-tuned, but it never sounded that artificial. And so I was just assuming that there was someone, but I, I'm sort of interested to see that that became a story. Um, you know, people wanted that to be his voice because that was sort of one of the few heroic things about him <laughs> was that you heard those songs and you were kind of like, why don't you just do, why don't you just do your little music and, you know, leave people alone? 
you're not half bad at this, but that's not him. Instead of shooting blow up dolls in the head on li- on uh, streaming streaming stuff, it's <laughs> super weird, man. Were you disappointed when you found out it wasn't him for sure, or did you know? Like I said, <laughs> I was I was so disappointed, man. <laughs> that was so sad. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a pretty sick collab. Yeah, man. Do a song with Joe Exotic. <laughs> <laughs> featuring joe exotic yeah. he'd probably still do it he probably would man. all right well let's talk about a couple movies uh ronald i don't know if you saw anything else that you want to briefly mention but steve and i might be about to hop on to something you've you've not seen uh, yeah i think the I, I haven't seen anything really new i've been kind of going in and out of stuff but yeah that, that i think the movies you're going to talk about i'm i'm very curious about i have not seen i did see uncorked the netflix movie i i kind of enjoyed it it was it was good enough um the what, soundtrack was really cool it's the movie about a a gentleman that lives in memphis uh his dad is uh he owns a rib shop and he wants to become the son wants to become a smallier uh a wine oh, taster yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, yeah. I, I think it's a good, it's a fun movie, man. It's it's seeing his journey and, you know, his, his dad wants him to become this thing uh, is, is very interesting. But there's also an identical show on Netflix called Gentified, Jetified, in the Latin community that has almost the same plot as, as Uncorked. It's so huh. weird. Anyway. But yeah, is that, I enjoyed is that is, is, is Uncorked the one with uh, Mama Duathi in it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen a trailer for that. Yeah, a Mamadou. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's an example. Like that's one I keep seeing pop up. Like that's like in the top five on Netflix on that top ten list. Yeah. And I keep seeing like the cover art for it. And I, I thought I saw him in the picture. And I, I I saw a trailer for that a while ago, but I haven't watched it yet. But I, I like him a lot. Yeah, it's a it's a fun watch, man. It's a fun watch. I think the family's really cool. I feel like it falls victim to a bunch of tropes, but I I, I think overall it's, it was a solid movie. I enjoyed it. Cool. Well, Steve, let's get into these uh, these movies that have been yanked from theaters and uh, and released in our homes. I think for the most part <laughs> that, that happened to all three of these, didn't it? Or or did it not? Um, the way uh, back. Yeah, pretty much. I think I think Invisible Man had the longest lead time. I think that got three weeks. Way back got two, and Hunt got one. And then and then shit hit the fan. So yeah. And the worldwide box office on The Invisible Man is 124 point something, and I think that's on a seven million budget. Am I right about that? Correct. That is crazy. I mean, that movie is already super successful, and now it can just gain a reputation by virtue of people being able to watch it at home. I, I did finally see it, and um, I thought it was pretty pretty darn effective. What did you think of The Invisible Man? I thought it was great. I loved it. I actually watched it a second time after we recorded last weekend um and yeah just the 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 concept of this of the movie that the you know the the take on it quote unquote and and what they were able to do with with you know getting the cast that they had and elizabeth moss is just amazing in it and um for seven million dollars it's just it's just mind it's just crazy like the movie is it looks really good. It's shot really well. Like the score is great. Like it's just a really well produced movie, and that's like you know on, you, the Blumhouse touch, I guess. But um, but overall, it's just a real. I, I was really impressed by it, and a couple scenes, especially, are just like wow moment scenes for me um, personally, and especially on a rewatch. And I really do think Lee Whannell is like 
is like a guy to watch. Like I think as a, a you know a director who's only done a couple mainstream things that most people know about as a director. Um, like I said last week, most people know him from Saw or the uh, what the um, uh, Insidious movies, but as an actor at least, see his face in those. Um, I don't know. I was really impressed, and I think he's going to like be doing a couple big things here coming up. I'm just waiting to see what they are. I, I don't see how they don't give him something of just carte blanche at this point if if he's yeah. had the success that he's had. I mean, it's going to be a weird year for movies and box office and who really cares, but we know that making lots of money is how these interesting directors get a chance to make more movies, so right. I like that. No, I, I, I you know, I, I enjoyed Upgrade and thought it was pretty good. I know people that loved it. This is one I feel much more like, okay, that Lee Wanell quality, that production quality is really put to use towards a, a story that is... Um, like surprising and and interesting and creepy and honestly works as a horror film. And I think making yeah. the Invisible Man a monster, um, uh, in the truest sense of the word, and not necessarily tracking the the story of the man who becomes invisible and what happens, but showing how that person who can become invisible is a monster. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting take, and it really streamlined this movie in a way that I think. I don't know what they had planned a few years ago with Johnny Depp, but there's no way it would have been as shark-like as this movie is in in how focused it is on the simple storyline of. I mean, it's it's a complex character, but it, the the arc of Elizabeth Moss's character is 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 relatively straightforward. I mean, what we see her go through, what we see her recover from, and how how she has to deal with this challenge. It's some really great acting, but it's 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 a really traumatized character, and that could. That could be so miserable to watch, but th- the movie works as a genre thing. It does; it's not too bogged down by the the real world horrors that it depicts in terms of an abusive relationship and what this woman is recovering from. So it's it's very, it is it is kind of harrowing. I honestly found some scenes really really difficult to watch, and right from the first moment, there's some the tension of just what she's afraid of of this man that she's in this relationship with. Uh, it's palpable, you know, and and you got to give her and Lee Wanell and I guess whoever the cinematographer was, and you said the score is very good. Like you got to give these these filmmakers credit for evoking this sense of danger and threat from this person who we. I mean, I'm not being cute when I say we don't see him. He he is the Invisible Man, but we literally don't really see him in the movie. You know, it, the, the, very yeah. little of this of this character is seen. Um, it's such a different take on on the the idea of the Invisible Man. I thought it was. Really neat, and it worked as sci-fi too, on top of being um, primarily a horror piece and kind of a domestic horror. Yeah. As far as a, a, a protagonist who goes through some shit, there's a midpoint in this movie where you just are, you're like, fuck, you know, the condition that this character is in and what she, the situation she's presented with is is truly horrifying. It's a waking nightmare, and it's um, it's interesting how they use the power of invisibility to bring that about. Didn't you think so, Steve? Just how, how much what she was up against was like seemingly insurmountable because how could she possibly explain this? Yeah, it's impossible. I mean, that that's that's the amazingness of like like you said before, like making this character the like such a horrific character um, and the and the true villain like like without seeing anything because you know like she's not either um, in these moments. But yeah, I don't know. I think that. Uh, the way that those shots that he kind of pulls those shots off a, a lot of practical effects mixed with like some CG and some, 
you know, wire work and things like that. There's a really cool um, behind the scenes featurette that is online. And this is not giving anything away, but the kitchen sequence where like they really kind of becoming or she becomes engaged into like a, a fight with this invisible man of, of sorts. The way they achieve that uh, is just amazing. Um, and, and it's got like a couple of what are coming to be known as like uh, signature shots that he has in his movies where the kind of where the camera is kind of like falling with gravity with the person in, in certain uh, directions. But um I don't know the way that they just make all that work with the objects that she's seeing or maybe not seeing move. And like, you know, you're looking in a corner or looking at a bed or looking at a chair and like, did that move? Or is there like a little impression in the, in the comforter or, or that jacket on the chair? Like where is somebody sitting on it? Um, you know, those moments in the movie where like, she's looking and we're looking because of it, but then like we keep looking, even though she may not be anymore. Um, those are really effective scenes and, um, the movie moves really quick, uh, I think, and is paced really, really well. Um, and yeah, the last like 15, 20 minutes is just like a, it's just a jolt. It's just a really cool run to the finish line and, and it ends really well, I think too. Well, it is an interesting enough structure for a story that you truly don't know exactly where it's going to land. And then something happens close to the end that makes you realize, oh, there has to be another, another piece of story here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and then you get this last act that is sort of not what you expected from what you were getting up to that point. Right. Ronald, close your ears for just one second, because I'm going to say something that's not a spoiler, but if you don't want any spoilers, don't, uh, don't listen to the next two sentences that I say. All right. Okay. Um, did, you notice, right. did you notice, Steve, that um, The Invisible Man and The Hunt both ended the same way, which is to say a uh, leaving a nice house with a... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's good. And in both cases, I don't know if you're like me. I'm thinking like I'm glad they took the. Yeah, yeah, you got to take the. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ronald. Hello. Come on back, Ronald. Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I think that what Elizabeth Moss does, you know, if you want to look at it as one of those classically uh, uh, traumatized horror movie heroes, you know, um, sort of final girl who goes through such hell. She does have this really cool energy that she's always had. When she was Peggy on Mad Men, she always had this side of her. She could be so vulnerable, but also so tough. And she has these expressions that she used to uh, good effect in um, in Us, where she was kind of playing a mirror image of herself. This this way of going from being kind of like is she sweet or is she is she evil? <laughs> is she creepy? What's she going through? She has these expressions that can really change. And I, watching her face throughout the movie was, uh, I don't know if you caught this, Steve, just how much she fully plays those moments of, of sheer horror. Like, it's it's not a vain performance at all that, that she puts on. She just really puts herself out there. That must have been part of the appeal for her to get to play like one of these big-time horror movie characters. But the way that she kind of empowers herself, I thought was... Uh, kind of redeemed the idea, like I said, that you were basically just watching something unpleasant. She does, she does have this strength that um, Elizabeth Moss always, always brings to at least every role I've seen her in. Yeah, and she does it so well on like Handmaid's Tale, also. So a lot of people, you know, have seen that performance, and it's it's sort of in a similar, um, you know, similar vein. But I mean, it, yeah, she does she does so well with those. Uh, in those scenes where you know you, you you're you're watching her kind of like find the power or find the motivation or find the empowerment to do something that you know most people maybe wouldn't do um 
but yeah, I don't know. She's she's great in it, and um, I don't know. I, I hope they don't like sequelize it or anything like that. I think it's like a really cool standalone thing, and whatever Blumhouse Universal have in mind for any of the other Universal movies, if they try to go this kind of thing with some other titles, and I've read some things about them trying to do that, but that'd be cool. But just maybe, you know, I wouldn't. I don't need to see a sequel to this movie. I mean, I, I would still see it because I love this movie. Like, I thought it was great. Um, but it's just like a really slick, neat little thriller, horror thriller, whatever you want to call it. And it's just like a really, really fun watch, too. It's really uh, well-crafted um, and with a real keen eye for all the stuff we're talking about, just using these these sustained shots. You know, you have an invisible villain and they do very little to show you that villain, Ronald. Like, you don't see a lot of scenes where, like, the light is hitting him and there's a shimmer or anything like that. You're often just looking at an empty frame. Right. And you sense that something has entered the room. Right. There, there were scenes where a shot would go by and I would think to myself, did I miss something or, or not? Yep. Because what you're, you're seeing a lot is her face. And often there's a shot where she turns around and looks to the room behind her. And you, we all know that feeling of just, you're going about your business and you just get a sense that something is in the room with you and you turn around. And then when you don't see anything, you go, oh, whew, okay. But in her world, it's like, no, she actually knows after a certain point that, no, there's an invisible asshole <laughs> wandering around. And, and, and so he, you know, it's, it's like a, it's a little bit like an evil ghost, you know, the way that it plays out in the story, the, the sort of power that it gives him uh, to sneak in and out and, and make awful things happen. But, um, but no, I thought that was just the, 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 the fear factor, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, of that, of just, um, uh, you know, depicting that feeling of, wait, something just happened. Something's in here. Even though I didn't see anything, I feel something. My hair on the back of my neck is standing up. And she is excellent at widening her eyes and playing that moment of, what the fuck was that? Um, yeah. So, yeah. No, that, it was good. It had a good bumps in the night kind of section. And then it has, as you said, Steve, the, the part where it becomes more physical and it becomes more of an engagement with the character, uh, uh, more, you know, violent engagement and and then from there it's got like horror movie punches left and right where suddenly somebody's dead you know and i think that's something that i i don't know if i didn't fully expect it but once you see how it can happen in this story you go uh oh now no one's safe i mentioned it last week but that that scene john like i, I wanted to see that scene in an audience with a with a full packed house I yes. think you know that scene that I'm talking yes. about, that uh, the draw drop moment. You're just like, fuck, I wish I would have seen that with a big-ass audience and heard the gasps and the awls and whatever. Like, I just wish, but I'll, I'll never get to. Oh, well. No. No, it's out there in the culture, and it's as far as it's going to go. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that'll be interesting to see what happens with a movie like this. It's, it's shelf life, you know, in this new situation i think the the big studios have pretty much said they don't have any intention of putting out any of their big releases um you know in on video on demand before they make it to theaters but who knows what that's going to look like and when that might be that that movies are back in the theaters so i'm really yeah. glad i got to see this movie because otherwise i was going to miss it until until who knows um and yeah, I, I recommend it, Ronald. This is one of those horror movies that is just, it's it's got a lot to recommend it. It, it, it may seem kind of dreary and over-familiar from, from what we've said or from the kind of story that it is, but I guarantee you haven't quite seen this this weird combination of of action and horror and, and sci-fi uh, 
with grounded characters. And I wonder how much that's just a result of getting an actor like uh, Elizabeth Moss in there to help shape the movie. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I mentioned uh, The Hunt in my uh, non-spoiler spoiler, spoiler, uh, Ronald, but I don't know. What did you think of The Hunt, Steve? I know you saw it, but um, I I had no real expectation of what it might be. I thought the team that was making it made it more interesting than the the trailer or the premise really did to me. But I, I, I don't know what this movie was trying to say. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't really. I mean, there had a, there was a couple fun scenes, and I think that parts of Betty Gilpin's performance is really fun and interesting. Some really kind of weird line reads, like, but I, I don't know if I like them or don't like them, but um, <laughs> I do like her. In, I do like her a lot, and there's some scenes in the movie that I think she's great in. Really great fight scene at the end, um, but I don't. I don't really know either. I mean, like. I don't know that it went far enough one way or the other or really knew what it was trying to say about one way or the other um, or what side of the aisle is trying to kind of skewer enough one way or the other. But um, overall, like I thought it was kind of like a meh, like a passable movie for me. Not much I got from it that I haven't gotten better, you know, elsewhere from these kinds of films. Honestly, I was sitting there thinking, I hope nobody really loves this because I don't want to have to sit there and act like I think it's it's particularly astute as a political satire. I think it has a few opportunities to do that, and you see glimmers of where it might have gone if it really had a point of view. Right. And I, I don't even know, it, I would almost say it's guilty of trying to not offend anybody, which is a strange thing to say about a movie that sort of seems like it's trying to offend everybody. Right. But it felt like it went... I don't know. It it was too mushy in its it, it didn't have a clear if it was a political allegory or a political statement. It didn't have a clear target and it didn't have a clear perspective. And if it was just let's make jokes and let's have fun, it it was too strident and too like pedantic with the way that characters would stop and certain verbiage that's just ripped from the headlines of like a year and a half ago, <laughs> of what was happening, the conversation on social media about government and you know right. and what's happening in our country right now. So it felt a little bit like how sometimes The Simpsons would do an episode that maybe when they wrote it, it was it was really timely, and by the time it came out, it had been done uh, by you know Daily Show and South Park and Saturday Night Live and other things because it, it didn't you know it takes like a year and a half for a Simpsons episode to to get animated and finished. So I, this felt it, like it lost a little something maybe from coming out now rather than in the fall when it was supposed to come out last year. Um, it is interesting that this movie was delayed. At first, when I think I guess it was on the heels of a lot of shootings, is that it? A lot of mass shootings that that it was pulled from the theater because it seemed like it was too offensive. But also there was a political scuffle. Like there was President Trump tweeting about how the movie was was damaging to society or something. Um, it was weird. And then it got yanked from theaters. And I heard the premise and thought, who's making this movie? Because the premise is that elite liberals are actually hunting. Uh, red state <laughs> Americans for sport, um, which feels like a paranoid fantasy of uh, a particular kind of uh, Trump voter. You know, I don't know. I don't know what to say. That's not too <laughs> pejorative here. But like, it feel it feels like it's directed at a person who really does think that liberals are evil, and this is just a parody of liberals. But then the movie is made by people who don't seem to be having that clear of a point of view. Do you know what I mean, Steve? Like, it's it's hard to peg down, like, they, like Damon Lindelof uh, is co-writer of this movie. The guy that's directing it is the guy that did um, Compliance, 
uh, and just other movies that don't suggest that they would get into this kind of murky political stuff without having a reason. But it, I just I couldn't tell what their reason was for for making this movie. Like who 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 it was for, who it was who it was aimed at, or anything. Not sure. Not sure. Yeah, I I, I agree though. Like I think that that's pretty much like my my big problem with it is that like you know I think it doesn't go far enough one way or the other and just when it starts to go in one direction like you kind of gets scared i think and backs off and decides to make a joke against the other side of the aisle or whatever you know it's like it just seems to play trying to play both sides of it and not to any you know productive effect in my opinion and i just think that it's kind of like and also it just seems like it's kind of of a tired conversation like obviously this is the world we live in now and like you know some of the things that they're saying in the movie are unfortunately like real life um you know but it's just like i don't i don't know that this is like an environment or a climate like where you want to see that kind of stuff in a movie i mean i want to see that kind of stuff in the movie if they're actually genuinely coming up with a unique way of putting it out there that's not just you know try i guess trying to be funny but not funny and and very you know gruesome in parts and like violent in parts and just kind of all over the place and yeah, for the like you said, for the people that are involved in it, like, I, yeah, I think in general, I just kind of felt like the movie was like a mess, and I think it was kind of thought it was a lot smarter than it than it actually was, and was like kind of like flexing or winking a little too often at the audience uh, for uh, you know our expectations or sub- or their attempts to subvert them. But I, I didn't really find it to be very effective, and I only really came out of it liking some of Betty Gilpin's performance. Um, and, and the fight at the end. Yeah, what was going on with that performance? I, I don't know. Everyone is saying it's the saving grace of the movie, and I found it to be sort of like... I mean, no one in the movie behaves in a way that resembles a real person. And I think that's one of the reasons why the political satire didn't really work for me on either side, is that you have these funny actors playing both the red state Americans and the liberal elites, and they don't really get a chance to do much of anything. Like Glenn Howerton is in it, and he manages to say a few lines with, you know, his Glenn Howerton-y fashion. And there's other character actors that pop up. Stocking your movie with recognizable faces so that you don't really know who's going to be a main character and who's not. I, I do think there's something to be said for that as a, as a way of creating suspense. In a movie like this, where lots of people are going to die, you don't know who's going to die um, right. when you see familiar faces in it. But it, there's a point where you say, well, you're just wasting these familiar faces if you're not giving them more of a role or something to do. And, and I felt like this movie had three or four actors that I like. They were just kind of wasted. Yeah. And, I, and sometimes cameos are cool. Um, but yeah, when you say it's a mess, it really did seem like it didn't quite know what it was trying to do. Yeah. And I think uh, Betty Gilpin was funny, but she was playing a bizarre character that I've never seen. I do think she had a few very unconventional and unexpected reactions to things that were momentarily funny to me, like where I would chuckle at something just because it was sort of not how I've ever seen an actor (laughs) react (laughs) to something. And I do think that's deliberate, you know, and I do think she's doing something on purpose, but I didn't really buy her character any more than I did the sort of more thinly sketched characters that were around the margins of this movie, which basically has everybody in it is a caricature yeah what did you think of the way back you know it it was a movie that in many ways i was like i couldn't be less interested in sort of what the plot of this movie could be because it seems to be very much what you what you might think like oh it's a sports redemption story it's a team that's down on its luck. It's a coach that's down on his luck and they're gonna they're gonna make some magic happen you know and we've seen that a million times um and the movie's not quite that. It's very different from that in a lot of ways. 
but what what struck me was just how well crafted it was and how much I felt like I was eavesdropping on real life uh, uh, throughout this movie and and uh, I thought Ben Affleck was great so I really enjoyed it even though like I said it is kind of you know it's sort of a paint by numbers movie in some ways but then in some other ways structurally it does something where you get you literally get this sort of freeze frame happy ending moment and then you see what happens after that i thought it had some really bold moves in it like that and i thought the performance was you know like ben ben affleck inhabits this character i, I don't doubt that maybe he was pulling from some of his personal experience to play this guy who's wrestled with some demons but um uh i totally bought him in this in this role yeah i mean it, it does. It does like on the surface seem like a lot of the traditional like sports movies, and I mean, I think that that's kind of part of the marketing, and you know, some of the marketing then became, or at least the publicity kind of became centered more around like Ben Affleck and you know his real life struggles and like how that's like you just said kind of played into a lot of you know his performance possibly, but. Um, I don't know. I, I I thought it was really great. Like I I really liked this movie a lot. And not only and you're right. I do love Ben as an actor. Like I I'm really into most of what he puts out. But you know, knowing that you know he's had his own struggles in life and he's kind of had an up and down ride. You know, over the past decade in Hollywood, to some of the highest highs and the lowest lows. But I feel like this is like a this is like a sweet spot for him. And I think it's like one of his best performances. And um, I just feel like you know the the way the story is told around this sports team when really that's not the story of the movie and the you know the the, the way that you know you we kind of learn more about you know about the character as you learn more about the team like Jack's story is exposed more and more as the team kind of opens up and becomes more of a team he kind of becomes more at one with like what his life is or was and I, I think that was really kind of an interesting take on this story and you start to realize about towards the end of the second act that it's really not about the the basketball team um i mean it's a part of the story but it's his story and um like some of the revelations like towards the end of the movie about him and 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 his loss and and the struggles that he's had i thought were really um you know really emotional to see and, and to watch and um were kind of like uniquely kind of delivered as a, a in the story in a way that's not like super common like when they kind of go for those really sad moments or the gut punch moments in a story like this and um yeah i don't know i think that's a, also like you know to give kudos to gavin o'connor like the guy who is the uh director of this movie like he made a movie i don't know how many years ago it was um another sports movie that is like billed as a sports movie, but um, if you guys have ever seen Warrior, um, I know I think Ronald has seen that. Uh, yeah, I love it. But basically, it's an amazing movie. Joe Edgerton and Tom Hardy's in it. But another movie like about brothers that really is just kind of around this sport that they both love, and this is kind of similar. So he's got like a real uh, touch for the, those kinds of things, and that's kind of been an effective way to kind of get some of his stories out there. Is to kind of kind of just center them around sports stories. And I think that, um, I don't know. It's just like, it, and I think he did it like, uh, he did like that movie miracle, uh, like a, back in early two thousands, you know, it, it's kind of like a gamble to say, this is like a sports movie because it's, it's, it's really about a lot more than, than this, like, you know, basketball team that could. Um, 
But you know that that's the best part of the movie to me is the story is, is Ben Affleck's story, Jack's story, and um, I think the performances are really great, especially his. And like I said, I think it's one of his better performances, if not one of his best. It's just so naturalistic, and yeah. and I mean, I I honestly, I know that people probably peg him as an actor who has sometimes seemed a little bland or something. And I don't know if, if maybe in some movies he, he turns it on too hard or he tries yeah. a little too hard or something. I, I, you know, I'm sure he's had movies where I would say, Oh yeah, this is one of those movies that people have seen where they, they think his acting is somehow lacking, yeah. but at his best, he does something that, I mean, I'm not saying nobody else does, but there's something about the physicality of this character that I totally believed he's a construction worker sort of by day and a, and a basketball coach by night and a yeah. total drunk also by night, every night. And that part of the story, the way he plays that, the scenes of him sort of hanging out at the local watering hole with this group of great character actors, um, telling jokes and stories, you know, it, it it's sort of familiar, but I, I don't know. I just don't think I've seen it depicted in quite this kind of slice of life way where you get these little moments and it slowly, like you said, Steve, it slowly builds the character's story so that when you get to the end, you fully get what has happened here. But about at the midpoint, you you kind of see how the fact that we've seen him pounding beers into pretty much every scene or pouring vodka into his coffee mug before going into work and stuff like that. Um, so we know he drinks constantly, but you start to see the after effects of that. You start to see what's that like at the end of the night. You start to see how yeah. that's affecting when, when, when it spills into the next day and... Um, I think there is something truly powerful about this performance. And and most of the performances in it were very naturalistic. I thought Al Madrigal was really good. There yeah. were some other people whose names I don't have at the tip of my tongue. There's an actress, Janina Gavankar, who was also on The Morning Show on Apple TV+, Plus, uh, who plays his his estranged wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, she was really good, too. I mean, just very, very low-key. Everybody was sort of letting that, like I said, the camera sort of find the reality and the drama of what's happening. And it felt like people were playing these moments not too big all the time. Yeah. It it, it hits a bottom that I didn't expect it to. Yes, um, it does. And, yeah. and it's kind of a downer for that reason. It, it, it it's is. Like as it, it's getting it close is. to the end, it's very much about addiction and it's very much about the inescapable nature of it and um, how you have to keep fighting. And it's sort of unflinching in that way, but I do think it has a... It's not a bleak movie that's devoid of of fun human moments, but it gets heavy. It's always it's always kind of hard to like be like, yeah, you got to see this movie when you when you describe it like that. And I mean, and that's accurate. That that is what it is, or at least what it becomes. But it also is it's kind of uplifting, and it's it's got it's got the you know it ends it ends on a in a in an uplifting way that's still like you know kind of you know it's got that redemption arc to it. But I mean, I don't know. I just think that. It, these kinds of movies like where you're like i really love the performance it's kind of sad it kind of gets a little bleak it kind of gets heavy you know but it's like do people want to watch that i don't know but i mean it's a really good story and it's a really great performance so i would definitely recommend it you know what it is here's how you pitch this movie to people it's hoosiers but if gene hackman and dennis hopper were one character <laughs> okay okay that's not that's that's, that's, that's pretty a, accurate but that's a, that's that's a good take we'll see how that goes let's try that that's how we just pitch the movie and not as white. And not as white. <laughs> so, Ronald, yep, I'm here. we're saying don't bother with the hunt unless you're just morbidly curious. Uh, <laughs> give the way back a chance if you feel like you want some drama. It's basically just a straight-up drama. And um, Invisible Man, you probably already know whether you're excited to see it, but I th- I'm, I'm saying you probably should see it. Uh, I concur. I concur. 
So now next week we'll have to get back together and we'll find something else that comes out this week or whatever and try to keep up on some of these releases. <laughs> Ronald, why don't you tell us what you've watched on about Wednesday and then we will definitely catch up with whatever that is so that we can all be on, on the same page. <laughs> that sounds good. Is there anything else on the landscape that we haven't seen that's coming out in this way or is it sort of slowed down for now because nobody's in a hurry to put one of their tent poles out uh, in this fashion? I think a tent pole's coming out, man. I think that it I think that somebody's going to pull the trigger. I think that it has it has to happen at this point now. They've extended the stay. It's going to happen. Right. I I know that people are saying like it, it there's a lot of things that are very sacred to people like they're like it you know things can't come out but I think that I think that that's going to get thrown out of the window pretty soon. Wow. A caveat is that it might be a little more expensive than $20. Yeah. Like 21 <laughs> yeah, I think twenty five, thirty dollars. Don't don't push it, John. Twenty one is just too much. Twenty one oh five, even. <laughs> well, this Tuesday, Sonic and Bad Boys for Life are coming out. So that I think that's the last of, with the exception of Trolls Two or Trolls World Tour or whatever it's called, which I think is the week after or like some sort of Easter week. I, I forget what the exact date on that one was, but. I think those two that come out this week are the last like two big ones that were, I think, announced. Um, you know that were either in the like those two were in theater still, but um, I, and I think the real big one, I, actually, probably the biggest one to date is the Trolls World Tour one because that's that's a borderline huge movie um, that you know is was supposed to come out what two weeks ago in theaters. And now it's coming out. No, no, it was supposed to come out April 10th in theaters. And I think now it's coming out as like a digital only release, I think, or some, or maybe internationally in theaters that are still open. But like, um, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest one. I think like that's, that's a pretty big movie. Like the first trolls movie was pretty huge. And this is a pretty big sequel for that studio and for it to completely just, not push it back, not scrap it off the um, schedule. Like April tenth, you know, I think it's gonna it's coming out on demand the day that it was supposed to come out in theaters. It's like pretty wild. That is. So I mean, it's like that thing, like you know, that that's kind of that early summer tentpole area, like where it kind of creeps earlier and earlier every year. And that was like kind of one of the first that and Bond, I think, were like the first like kind of jump offs for like big titles for studios, you know, to really kind of go out and get a big chunk of the box office and for one to be pushed back to November and one to be like, Hey, yeah, we're just going to come out on video on demand. Like they're banking on families still finding this movie, you know, on the day it comes out. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. So, but we shall see. Um, moviesmovie.com facebook.com slash movie movie if there's something that you're watching now when you're at home watching everything there is to watch on every streaming platform there is and we haven't talked about it make sure we know about it comments on the facebook posts um that comes along with this episode let us know what we need to be checking out or if there's something you're looking forward to that you want to make sure that we get some eyes on um let us know that too if you don't mind we'd appreciate it and we haven't said it in a while but if you're subscribed to this podcast through apple podcasts or spotify wherever you're listening um, which thank you, by the way, for listening. Um, if you could leave some sort of rating or star review or whatever the equivalent is on that platform, any kind of review or rating would, would be helpful. 
Um, especially, you know, if we're going to be, we're trying to put these out on a more regular basis, weekly, hopefully, um, it would definitely help us find, uh, some people that may also want to, you know, talk about movies with us and, and, and listen to what we're talking about. So, uh, we would appreciate that if you can take a moment and do that. Um, we thank you for that. Do you guys have anything else to add? No, I think that's it. I'm good. Okay. Well, as always, you've made our day. Bye.